Okay, hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Innovations in Education, eSchool News' podcast on the latest and greatest happenings in K-12 EdTech this week. I'm Kevin Hogan, and I'm glad you found us. This week, there are a number of stories that don't focus so much on technology, but on people. Obviously, the students are front of mind, but there's also the teachers, the parents, administrators, and other members of the district community that participate to make schools work. And as we discovered during the pandemic, there's nothing more important than the concepts of SEL, social emotional learning, and mental wellness when it comes to the successful education processes that we're trying to accomplish. Let's dig in to some of those essential details. First off, Dr. Alicia Fessenden, Dr. Amy Salvo, and Mrs. Sarah Schmanke They are Lincoln County School District employees in Illinois, write that there's no one-size-fits-all approach to SEL, but implementing it on a district-wide level can lead to a well-rounded program that supports student well-being. You can find the story posted this week up at eschoolnews.com under the top stories. They offer detailed suggestions for making this somewhat fuzzy topic something very real. They write, number one, prioritize SEL at the district level. Our district recognized we needed a more systematic approach to social and emotional wellness for students and staff. So we created the director of SEL and support position. The director is primarily focused on developing and leading all district social and emotional supports for students and assisting school staff with appropriate interventions as necessary. This position also coordinates with outside community agencies for student support. They've selected Ruler as their SEL curriculum and the DESA as their SEL screener. Next, they suggest find programs that help cover multiple bases and set aside dedicated time to do them. They write, our district adopted online student safety and wellness courses from Vector Solutions, because they are excellent tools to help promote discussions about important issues like bullying, stress management, having healthy relationships, and more. The courses help reinforce social and emotional skills and also help us meet state requirements around some of these issues. Adopting programs that serve multiple needs can help a district be more efficient and more targeted in how it's supporting students. We look for tools that are going to check multiple boxes like that. And then finally, practice and reward positive behavior. They write, this can go a long way towards helping students grow their social and emotional skills and in creating a positive school climate. Troy South Middle School, which serves more than 800 students in grades six to eight, is a great example of a school with a strong focus on this. Middle school can be a tough transition for some students. Troy Middle School implemented a school-wide positive behavior support program with the goal of helping to build positive relationships between students and their peers and teachers, while also outlining and explaining building-wide expectations. The school's positive behavior supports matrix describes positive behaviors that students can practice in various settings, such as using positive language with staff and peers in the classroom or being a responsive listener and active participant during assemblies. Lots of great stuff in here about applying SEL 
practices at a district level. Something that's kind of interesting because most of the time, the reporting that I see, uh, we're talking about it in the classroom or at a school. So be sure to definitely check this out. Next, Britton Follett. She is the CEO of content at Follett School Solutions. She interviews a number of education leaders and compiles the top five ways schools and organizations alike have succeeded in improving culture in their communities despite challenges. She has five. I'll share three of them here. Number one, making meaningful connections. At Baltimore County Public Schools in Maryland, educators foster connections that encourage partners in their program. Fran Glick, National School Library Program of the Year Award winner and who served at Baltimore County for many years says, our programs lend themselves to creating spaces for input and participation from a variety of stakeholders. We can find collaborators and create partnerships within the community, public and community college libraries, museums, parent groups, foundations, and external partners can all contribute to ensuring that our school libraries are dynamic centers of each school. We know that school libraries build communities. Next, she writes, perception matters. At Southwest Middle School in Florida, the public perception of school librarians, especially at the secondary level, is a challenge these days. The best way librarian Carrie Friday has been able to combat these challenges is to focus on what's right and regularly share the great things happening in the school library. I post about the lesson we did for the day. I share photos of student creations, pictures of book club, or success stories of students who have seen success in this space, Friday said. It's much harder for the community to believe what they hear or read when they've seen the magic that happens in here. It's exhausting to constantly answer questions about book challenges and address what people hear or answer questions about new legislation. But at the end of the day, this work matters so much, and these kids remind me of that every day. Their love for our library helps me press on and do right for kids. Uh, here's one more. Meaningful feedback. In Iowa, at Van Meter Consolidated School District, Future Ready Librarian spokesman and librarian Shannon Miller explains their school library is the heart of their culture. Our library is a very special part of the school community. We build the culture and community within the library with our students, teachers, and families at the center of everything we do. When our students come to the library, we want them to feel important and safe and to be seen and heard within the books and resources we have in our collection. We also want to be a resource for our families and to support them in fostering a love of reading and learning within their homes. Through our library's social media, newsletter, and weekly updates, we can celebrate the amazing activities happening within the library and the books and resources we have available for our students and teachers. In summary, she writes, bottom line, no matter the shape or size of your organization, transforming culture cannot happen overnight. It takes more than a leader to make change. It takes us all. Clearly, it's best to focus on one or two cultural improvements to start, even consider micro-improvements to a portion of the world that you have direct influence so you're not overwhelmed and can do them to the best of you and your team's ability. That's good stuff. These stories reminded me of a very effective conversation I had last year with Tammy Dunbar, 
Uh, she's a teacher at Lincoln Elementary in Manica Unified District in California. Jennifer Reed, she's the Director of Clinical Services and Mental Health Services Department for Dallas Independent School District. And Mark Sparvell, he's the Director of Education Marketing at Microsoft on this importance of wellness. We talked about how well-being directly affects students' motivation, engagement, and learning, and has a long-term impact. Skills such as self-awareness and self-management are also critical for effective collaboration and learning. Not only that, but supporting overall student and educator well-being creates a foundation for equitable education environments. Here's a snippet of that conversation. Well, as great as a tool as it sounds, sometimes I would hear that, well, here's just something else that I need to do where I'm trying to focus on the child. But it seems like these sort of technologies are actually enhancing your ability to do that, right? Yeah, these technologies work in the background. They do the work so I don't have to. So I can just open up my Teams app, which I think is an add-on. Is it still an add-on, Mark? You have to add the app? Yeah, so you have to ask, someone was asking in chat, I saw. So you actually have to add the app to one of your tabs. But once you've added that, it works in the background. And when I open it up, it's just as Mark says, there's the complete picture. I can dive down to specific students, specific days. The whole month, I can get a huge picture over all of my class. So that's marvelous. But Teams itself really gives me some opportunities as an educator to set up because part of what I feel is if I organize things well ahead of time, Students are going to feel more confident. They know what's happening. They know what to expect, and they know what kind of teacher I am. So in my teams, I actually have a channel that's called the Minecraft channel, where the students can go in and they can you know, chat with each other on Minecraft and work on projects together. I have a student masterpiece channel where they can go in and post uh, you know, designs they've made or things they've drawn at home. I have kids who are auteurs who do short videos. They post them in there so they can showcase what they do. So just using Teams as that kind of platform to build social relationships has been really beneficial. But yeah, most of this is in the background. Although, as I think my friends will agree, planning is key. You really have to think about how am I going to set this up so that a student walking in says, oh, I know what I need to do today. So in Teams, my students know if they see the dragon announcement, that's things to do today and everything's listed there for them. So they know what to watch for. Now, Jennifer, um... I'll assume that you use these tools in this platform on a on more of a administrative side too, right? You you mentioned earlier about the ideas of telehealth, and I know in conversations I've been having that one of the great innovations is maybe not in a, in group conversations, but one to ones in terms of parent teacher conferences, in terms of a lot of special education dynamics that used to have to happen in person. They're finding that remote actually maybe works better when it comes to some dynamics. Could you talk to, to that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. I think remote has opened up a great tool for us in, in the education space, really in anything, but I think more readily in the education space because we were so used to brick and mortar, you're coming here to the meeting, it has provided another option, another opportunity for for us to be able to accommodate families to meet their needs. And so it, it works really great to be able to do that. However, I will uh, continue to touch on what Mark talked about, about the equity and the access piece. Um, not everybody's mom or dad or auntie or, or granny has 
the uh, capability or the ability to be able to log on via the video chat, um, to be able to attend that meeting, to have that particular phone call or that parent conference. So I want to keep calling that out. I appreciate Mark for bringing that to the to the table in this conversation because one of the things that we have come to realize in in our particular work, especially with telehealth or with anything where we're doing one on ones. Um, or small groups with um, students and families that um, that that presents itself a real a real challenge. You can go up online to eschoolnews.com and go under the webinar tab to hear the full conversation under the title "Fostering Student Well-Being with Microsoft Education Solutions." So that about wraps it up for this episode. Be sure to check back on eschoolnews.com for all the latest and greatest news and analysis for what's happening in the edtech space. Remember, eSchool is always free and always helping innovative educators just like you. Until next time, I'm Kevin Hogan for eSchool News.